in a room like this, there's probably a bunch of you who would already say, yes, there probably is a God. Uh, most of you uh, might be Christian. Uh, I'm assuming there's probably some people in this room who don't know what Christianity means uh, or, or have a belief in God. Um, so I'm really glad if you're here, if that's you, if you're doubting um, and you're not quite sure. Uh, we want to start off this year uh, with a bit of a talk series on some of those really big questions uh, that I guess for us as Christians, if you're a Christian person, um, you might have conversations with your classmates about these things. They might say to you something like, well, you know, Matt, I see you've got a T-shirt on and it says Christian on the back. What's all that about? How can you believe in God? If you're a Christian person, um, I hope this series will be really helpful for you, not only just to um, kind of help you in your own faith, but also to have some of those conversations with people around you. Um, But for those of you who are checking it out, I'm really glad that you're here. Um, For those of you who aren't really sure about all these things, I hope this is really helpful for you to put a few things into place. Anyway, that's just a bit of an intro to where we're going. Tonight, we're asking this question. If there is a God, would you really want to know him? Uh, Does God exist? How could you know? Uh, We're asking those sorts of questions. And before I kind of have a bit of a spiel about um, what I think the Bible says about those things from a Christian perspective, I actually want you guys to turn to the people next to you, maybe just in ones and twos or threes, um, and ask a question. Let me get my click up here. It's on the board. Ask them this question. If God does exist, would you really want to know him and follow him? If God does exist, would you really want to know him and follow him? Um, I think some of us, you know, might be holding God at a distance. We're not really sure we want to sign up to Him. Um, have a chat about that question uh, with the person next to you. I'll give you about a minute to do that. Have a chat. I wonder how you went with that question. I'm not going to get you guys to give me all feedback. That would take a bit too long. But I wonder if you were actually really brave enough to be honest about how you feel about that question. The reason I ask that question is this, because I actually think that one of the reasons why a lot of people say they don't believe in God or maybe just want to put God on standby, maybe not have have him kind of control our lives as he wants to, um, is because we've got this idea that if we did do that, if we did believe in God, if we really trusted him, then maybe our life would have to change. But there'd be some things that we kind of like doing and God might say something to that. It seems to me that as I chat to people, as I chat to uni students around the campus, uh, there is an idea that God, if he is there at all, is a bit of a killjoy, if you know what I mean by that. He, he's a God who's up there and he's kind of just wants to stamp out all our fun and that's kind of Christianity. That's, that's some of the, the vibe that I get when I chat to people around uni, that God's a bit of a killjoy. And I just wanted to flag that right at the very beginning. We've got to look at a few different, uh, I think, proofs maybe of, of if God exists or if he doesn't exist. Uh, but I just wanted to flag that right at the start to say, if you're someone here tonight who thinks that signing up to be a believer or someone who believes in God, if you think that's going to really crush your fun, your life, and I really want you to reconsider that. 
uh, I really want you to consider the person of Jesus because he says the truth sets us free. Uh, and that's a really big thing for us to think through. Um, over the next 20 minutes or so, uh, what we're going to do, um, you can see there's a little outline on the sheet that you've got in front of you. Uh, we're going to look at three kind of intellectual reasons that have been put forward over the years um, to say that there probably is a God uh, if you look at some of the evidence. Then we're going to look at a historical one, then we're going to look at a more experiential one. So to kick us off, traditionally there have been a number of intellectual reasons put forward throughout the ages to kind of build a case for God's existence. Uh, These are kind of philosophical uh, reasoning. Uh, a lot of it comes from looking at the earth, looking at the universe, and then kind of deducting from that that maybe there is a creator making some logical conclusions from just what we kind of see. Uh, these reasons, I actually think, are kind of proof for God, but I think they do build a case that maybe there is a God. Um, I've got a friend who said to me last year, he said, Steve, um, I was having a conversation with him, and uh, he knows I'm a Christian, I'm a believer, I believe in God. Um, and he said to me, Steve, I'm just, I just can't believe like you. Uh, he said, the only way I'm going to believe is if God turns up and he says, here I am. That's the kind of proof I want. And I said to him, well, that would be pretty cool if it happened. <laughs> um, but uh, if that's you, if you're in that camp, then I want to say that I don't think these reasons will actually get you over the line. Uh, but they've been put forward over the years, like dating back to maybe the 4th century BC, to kind of build a case to say that, well, it looks like there probably is a God. Let's have a look at the first one. The first one uh, is an intellectual reason, and it says this, that when you, when you look at the universe, uh, it makes some logical sense to believe that there was a first cause, that someone or something actually began everything. Uh, Most modern scientists uh, today are now convinced that the universe began uh, with either a Big Bang, that is where there was an explosion that happened uh, right in the very beginning, and the whole universe kind of expanded from that point. Or some other people believe that the universe was actually compressed in this very, very small state and again it kind of expanded after some form of explosion or beginning, something happened. Uh, But both of those camps are still at a loss to explain what actually started it, what began it, what the first cause was, to use that word. I've got a couple of quotes here um, from a guy, astrophysicist Robert Jastro, a self-described agnostic. That is a guy who says, yeah, there's probably a God, but he's not a Christian. He's not a, a believer in the Bible. He said this. He said, the seed of everything that has happened in the universe was planted in that first instant. Every star, every planet, every living creature in the universe came into being as a result of events that were set in motion in the moment of the cosmic explosion. The universe flashed into being and we cannot find out what caused that to happen. Uh, Another guy, Stephen Weinberg, a Nobel laureate in physics, he concludes that at the moment of the explosion, 
the universe was about 100,000 million degrees centigrade and the universe was filled with light. Now, whatever you make of these conclusions, I think what we see there is that in both camps there's actually an agreement that there was a very there was a beginning, there was a starting point. And the question is, what actually started it? What caused it to begin? Scientists have no explanation uh, for the sudden explosion of light and matter. They're kind of at a loss. They're still researching, still looking. But when you look at the Bible, well, the Bible actually begins with the words, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God spoke. God said, let there be light. And there was it kind of makes some logical sense to think there was someone who started at a first cause. Maybe that first cause was God, like the Bible says. Secondly, uh, the complexity of our universe actually points to the fact that whoever started it, if it was a whoever, was probably quite intelligent. Uh, the, The world is just too well made for it to be a fluke, for it to be random chance. Uh, I mean, just take the Earth, for example. Think about our Earth. If you've ever done much research uh, into our universe, the Earth is amazing. Uh, The Earth and its kind of corresponding gravity, this gravitational field that we have, uh, it actually perfectly holds together this really almost thin layer of nitrogen gas and oxygen gas that we call our atmosphere. And you know that out of every planet, all the planets out there in the whole world, in the universe, not the whole world, in the whole universe, that is, ours is the only planet that has such an atmosphere that can sustain human, plant and animal life. The only one. It's incredible. And then you think about, you know, the, the fact that the Earth is located at the perfect distance from our sun. You know, if we were another 10 kilometres Closer to the sun, would all burn up. If we're another 10 kilometres further away, we'd all freeze. It's the perfect distance. It's amazing. In order to, to, for us to have the life that we have. Uh, and I think even more amazing than that is, not only is it the perfect distance apart, but that perfect distance is maintained as the Earth does laps around the sun at 108,000 kilometres per hour whilst spinning on its own little axes every 24 hours in order that the earth can be warm and cooled so that our life can be sustained. It's just phenomenal how amazing our world is. It's incredible. And you can kind of say it's all random chance, but it seems to me that maybe it makes some sense to believe that there was a creator, there was an intelligent designer behind it all. In Isaiah chapter 45, we can read this. It says, Thus says the Lord God, It is I who made the earth and created man upon it. I stretched out the heavens with my hands and I ordained all the starry host. The Bible, you see, says that yes, our world is amazing. It is complex. It is beautiful. And it's that way because God made it that way. Because God designed it that way. Finally, the third intelligent argument uh, for a God uh, is that 
our universe is incredibly constant. There are kind of things that you can count on day after day, and this actually surprises people when they look into it. Um, I don't know how you're feeling at the moment. You might have just started uni. You might be feeling like there's a whole lot of unconstancy, or actually that's not a word, is it? (laughs) Inconsistency in your life. Um, You might be feeling a little bit like you're not really sure what's going on. But there are some things, aren't there, that you can count on. Gravity's always going to keep you grounded. You know, you turn on the light and it goes really fast throughout the room. Light's not going to, speed of light is constant. There's all these things that are amazing. Days go for 24 hours. February has a weird leap year every four years. It's kind of constant in, in its weird way. We were really praying kind of yesterday. I don't, is anyone born on the 29th of February? Anyone have their birthday yesterday? Yeah, my wife really didn't want to have our baby on the 29th. It's kind of like awkward, only every four years you get a birthday. Anyway, that's beside the point. There's all these examples that we could come up with about the constancy of our universe and such order and reliability, it actually baffles people who look into it. The greatest of scientists, here's a quote from Richard Feynman, a Nobel Prize winner for quantum electrodynamics. He said this, Why nature is mathematical is a mystery. The fact that there are rules at all is a kind of miracle. Why is the universe so orderly, so reliable? Well, again, you can kind of believe that it all happened by random chance. Or you can see what the Bible says in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews tells us that the one who spoke this amazing world into being, this creator, God, is actually the one who upholds it, and sustains it every day by the power of his word. So I think what we see with these three reasons, the the cause, the complexity, the constancy, uh, is that they all actually point to the fact that there really could be something or someone behind it all. Someone who is powerful, someone who is intelligent, someone who designed it. It does make some logical sense to put your faith in that belief rather than the faith of just random chance. But the problem is, though, right, that even if we can kind of conclude that, yeah, there might be a creator God from looking at the universe, well, that actually doesn't tell us much about who that God is, does it? I mean, you can look at the universe and and you might be able to conclude some things about God. You might be able to say, well, he's kind of pretty powerful and maybe he's kind of intelligent, but that would be about it. That would be about it. Uh, I mean, you can't actually know that much about God. Just think about for a moment how you get to know people, how you get to know anything. How do you get to know someone? Anyone want to talk? Yell it out. Not a purely hypothetical. Yes, isn't that a good way to get to know people? You can actually go and meet them. Uh, you know, when they walk in the room, you can say day. Maybe you could text people, but you don't know quite as much about them just from their text messages. Uh, you could see a photo of someone. To actually know someone, you have to meet them. They actually have to be revealed to you in some way. Uh, you're probably getting to know people here at uni at the moment, getting to know a whole lot of people. And the best way to do that is actually to meet them. Uh, They actually need to be revealed to you in some way. I often hear people, uh, when they talk about God, say things like this. Some people say, I think God is like this. 
or I think God would like me doing that. And I actually want to say, I think there's a bit of a problem there. Because whenever our knowledge of God just starts with, I think, that's just going to be a God of our own imagination, isn't it? I mean, I could think Jilly has, you know, no glasses on, just by kind of deducting some sort of guessing game. But if I meet Jilly when she walks in the room and she's got glasses on, well, all my guessing was worthless. To actually know God, we actually have to meet him, get to know him. He actually has to reveal himself to us. Uh, Lots of people throughout history have actually guessed at what God might be like. And you kind of see it. When you kind of go back through the history of humanity, you see that there's been these kind of pictures of gods of all sorts of types and shapes and kinds. Some people have worshipped animals and, and kind of made images of them and said, they're kind of great, God must be like that. Other people have looked at the planets and had sun gods and planet gods and all sorts of things. They've had all these sorts of gods because they've tried to say, well, I think God is like this. And they've gone from the bottom up. But it actually doesn't work. To actually know the true God, he actually has to come and introduce himself to us. And that's actually the great claim of Christianity, is that you can actually get to know God because he has come down and revealed himself to us. Initially, uh, we see that in the Old Testament, in the first part of the Bible, you can actually read about this God who has acted in history. And you can get to know him in many ways. You can see the way he acts. You can see what he does. You can see what he loves, what he doesn't love. You can see how he tolerates different things. And you actually get to know him in many ways through that Old Testament narrative. But when you get to the New Testament, all that kind of knowledge of God that you did have, it actually gets crystal clear when the person of Jesus comes along. See, when Jesus comes, he actually says, here I am. I'm God, walking in the room. And that is a pretty incredible claim, don't you think? That's what Christianity actually claims, is that the person of Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, is God himself, become a man so that we can know him, so that we can meet him. Oh, we, read a bit, we read that verse uh, from John's Gospel earlier. John 1, verse 1, says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now you might kind of read that and think, what on earth is John talking about? Why does John call Jesus the Word? Why doesn't he just say, in the beginning was the Jesus, and the Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God? Why doesn't he just say that? Well, actually, think about it. Um, what do words do? Words actually reveal things to people, don't they? Uh, my words can reveal things to you about me. So if I say to you, hi, I'm Steve, uh, I love coffee, those words actually reveal something to you about me and my feelings and my tastes. Right? That's what words do. They reveal things. If a boy says to a girl, I love you, that actually reveals something. And everyone goes, oh, isn't that wonderful? But that's what words do. That's why John actually is very deliberate. He calls Jesus the Word, because Jesus is God who reveals God to us. 
when he comes. And so what you see when you keep reading John chapter 1 is that Jesus, the Word, he was there at the very beginning. See there verse 3? And all things were made through him. He is the intelligent designer, the one who started it. And when you skip down to verse 14, what you see is that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. What that means there is 2,000 years ago when John writes that New Testament book, it says God himself put on flesh, became a human so that you could meet him. He became one of us. And when you saw Jesus, you saw God's glory, you saw God's character, you saw God's likeness because he was God. Friends, I just think that is a huge claim, isn't it? that Christianity makes. I don't know if you know that. That is what Christianity makes. That its founder, Jesus, who it's all about, actually claimed to be God. Do you know no other of the major religions makes that sort of a claim? None of them. But Jesus is unique in this. Have a look at John 1 verse 18, for instance. John 1 18 says, No one has ever seen God. The only God who's at the Father's side, He has made Him known. You can look through the other major world religions. You look at uh, people like Buddha, like Muhammad, like Gandhi, like Confucius. None of them claimed to be God. No, all of them claimed to know things about God. That they, that they had some knowledge uh, that they could tell us about what God was like. But Jesus said, no, I've come the other way. It's not bottom up with me. Jesus says it's top down. I've come down so that you can know God because I am God. In John 14, there was a guy called Philip. He came to Jesus and he said, Jesus, show us the Father and that will be enough. Show us God and that will be enough for us. We'll believe. And Jesus said, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. It's a big claim, isn't it? There you go. I'll get it up. 2,000 years ago, if you were there in Palestine, and if you asked Jesus that question, if you said, Jesus, does God exist? You would have said, yep. You're looking at him. Pretty big claim. Now, I don't know what you think about that. You might be sitting there thinking, well, I know a bit about Jesus. I know he was a pretty good guy. He was that guy who said, love your neighbour, forgive people. You know, he, was, he taught us to be nice to each other, right? Now, you might be thinking, Steve... He was a good teacher, but he wasn't God. How can you say he was God? Well, let me ask you, have you read about Jesus? Have you opened up a gospel and seen the kind of things that he did? I mean, historically, it is undeniable that Jesus did things that ordinary people couldn't do. Uh, he healed people. He, he, there was blind people and he gave them sight. He raised people from the dead. He walked on water. There was this raging storm and he said, stop, and it did. I don't know if you've ever tried that. It would be pretty fun to do, I reckon. Jesus did those things. And do you know, even the most reliable of the ancient historians all actually attest to the fact that this is true of Jesus. This isn't just some Bible fairy tale someone made up. 
You can read people like Josephus, the great Jewish historian of the first century, and he says Jesus wrought amazing works. He did amazing things, things that were unexplainable. Uh, in the Talmud, another, another script from back that time, it says they killed Jesus because he practised magic. Now this was a, was a text that, you know, I don't know if, if they knew if it was magic or, or, or if they meant what we mean by magic, but Jesus was killed because he did things that were unexplainable. And that's written not in Christian history, but in secular history. His miracles actually point to the fact that he did amazing things and they show that he had the power of God because he was God. But I actually think perhaps the most surprising thing about Jesus is not just that he did powerful things, but actually that he was so deeply loving and compassionate. That's what just comes through as I read through a gospel. I mean, it's such a rare breed, I think, to have someone of ultimate power and yet so deeply and incredibly loving in the same person. Jesus was an incredible person because he's an incredible God. And that's the person we meet as we open up the scriptures. Jesus once said these words, he said, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall not thirst. I think this year, as you start uni, there will be a whole lot of things that you might look towards to find your satisfaction. A whole lot of areas that you might be looking to to get joy and a sense of belonging and acceptance and all that sort of thing. What Jesus is saying in these verses is that he's the one who can fully satisfy you. He's the one who can give you what you're looking for. But to do that, you actually have to get to know him. You have to get to trust him. You have to believe in him. Now I'm going to sit down in a minute. Um, I actually want to open up the questions. If you've got questions uh, that you want to ask about this topic, um, I would love to do that for a couple of minutes. But just before I do, I want to go back to that original question that I asked. If, do, if God does exist, would you want to know him? What we've seen tonight, I think, is that there are some intellectual things that actually point towards the existence of a God. The universe's um, consistency, its constancy, its complexity, the first cause, actually shows us that there probably is a God out there. But what we see as we look through the history is that there is actually one man who kind of stands out above all the rest in the claims that he made and the things that he did. And that man's Jesus. It's the man that the Bible calls God's son, God himself. And so, friends, I actually want to encourage you this year to make sure you get to know that Jesus. You might not want to sign up tonight to be a Christian. Uh, You might already be a Christian. But I want you to more and more get to know who this Jesus is because he won't disappoint you, I guarantee you.